Good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Zaldi Villaverde, and uh, my wife and I serve in the singles uh, ministry, the awesome Shoreline Singles Ministry. Okay, I need to get used to this. There you go. Okay. Our theme for um, the month of August is life to the full. That's in John 10.10. And anyone who wants to live life to the full needs passion. And that's my first point, life full of passion. And without passion, you will fail. And passion does not guarantee success, but without it, you will not succeed. There's nothing like zeal, fervor, passion to make us live life to the full. You know, cars was the result of someone's passion. Someone said, I'm tired of riding this horse. And they invented the car. Airplanes. Someone wanted to go farther, faster. They tried to put on wings in their arms and jump off buildings, probably after many injuries, and now we have airplanes. And so I pray that there's something that moves you today. What is it that God put in you that gives you joy? What is it that gives you enthusiasm? Are you passionate for anything? And God is not concerned about how much service or midweek we attend. He is not concerned about how much memory scripture we know. God wants our wholehearted devotion. God wants you and me to be passionate about him. Are you passionate about your relationship with God? Or is it boring? You get up with excitement because you have a relationship with God. You know, maybe this morning it was kind of slow and we don't want to do anything. But you cannot live your life to the full without God. He created you and me, and without him it will be empty. Are you passionate about your discipleship? Are you growing in your relationship with God? And I love my wife very much. She's, um, she is the apple of my eye. I got that from the Bible. And once in a while, we get into bumps. Marriage, can you re- relate? We'll ignore each other for hours. And it's very difficult to be passionate for each other. At night, there'll be a stack of pillows between us. Or we'll sleep at the edge of the bed, facing the walls. And that's how it is when we're not close to God. You know, we put something in between us and God. And it could be our careers, it could be school, it could be family. And I'm not saying you should not have passion for these things, and you should. But God says, love me with all your mind, heart, and soul. Isn't this the first commandment? Passion fuels our lives. 
And it is sad when we don't have passion or it's misguided. And our Lord Jesus had passion in John 2. I think we need to go back. Can we go back? I think we missed the scripture. Okay, here we go. It says, John 2, 14 to 16, it says, In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold those, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Jesus went into the temple and overturned all the tables of the money changers. And the, the Bible says that zeal for your house consumes me. And that's what Jesus had. In Romans 12:11 it says never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Are we obeying the scripture? In a minute we're going to talk about another man in the Bible that had passion and his name is Caleb. And if you have your Bibles turn to Numbers 13 if not we'll have it here. Starting in um, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And it says here in Numbers, The Lord is giving the land to the Israelites. He didn't say, Go take a look at it, and I might give it to you. He said, The Lord is giving it to you. And Caleb was one of the men to explore the land. Let's go into um, Numbers 13. Oh, sorry, I, I forgot to press it. <laughs> okay, verse 27. Okay, I'll press it this time. <laughs> it says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And here, they explored the land and they found out that it's uh, awesome, the land was beautiful, and um, the fruit was uh, delicious. But here, most of the men that explored the land saw obstacles. And, you know, they just saw these guys are huge. And in Numbers 13, um, verse 30, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb said, Yes, we can. We can do this. Yes, we can. And that phrase, you know, it can even take you to the White House, doesn't it? <laughs> That's how Obama got into the White House. And where do you think he got that from? Got it from the Bible. 
Let me ask you this. What are the challenges in your life? What are the obstacles that keep you from blocking your relationship with God? What sin or character flaw is getting in your way? We can certainly do it, the Bible says. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's what Philippians says. And God works through challenges. And that's the only way God, that it will show his power. God works through difficulties in our lives. Imagine if the people there were teeny tiny people, maybe Zaldi size or something. They probably wouldn't be intimidating, right? You know, God was sending them to land where the people were huge. Maybe uh, Steve Burnside. I hate standing next to Steve. He, he's like, my ne- I get stiff neck. But God was sending them to land where, you know, it was difficult to obtain. And most of the time, we don't see God when everything is easy. And in fact, we do forget about God. When something good happens and we know it wasn't because of us, that's when we say, thank God. Let's go on to uh, Numbers uh, 14. And starting verse 1, it says, That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If we only, if, sorry, if we only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Why, Lord? Why am I going through this challenge? Why, Lord, are you not giving me the job I want? Why did I marry this person? I thought I was marrying Prince Charming. Why is she not submissive? And these people were just complaining and wanting to go back to Egypt. And that's how it is with some of us. When we get challenged, we want to go back to a place that's comfortable. We go back to our old way of life. Some some start very fired up, and then after a bit of difficulties here and there, they give up. And so because of all this complaining, by this time, God wanted to wipe them out and start over. And here Moses um, had to plead for forgiveness for these people. And in Numbers 14, starting in 20, it says, The Lord replied, I have forgiven them, as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the, Lord, the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, 
and his descendants will inherit it. God says that none of these people will see the land that was promised. They could have been living in the land flowing with milk and honey. They could have been enjoying themselves. Instead, they are going to die off in the desert. But Caleb, he had a different spirit. And today, do we have a different spirit? Or is it the same spirit as everyone else out there? Is it the spirit that God wants us to have? In verse 24, it says, Caleb follows wholeheartedly, and that's passion. Are you wholehearted? Look to the person to your right and say, are you wholehearted? To the left, are you wholehearted? All right. But if you're not wholehearted, you're hard-headed. Wholehearted devotion is not a talent. It's a decision. And we can be wholehearted. We can't make it to heaven if we are limping along. And God wants us to be charging, marching, and overcoming. There will be opposition in your life. There will be obstacles. Families will oppose you. You yourself will oppose you. And as a matter of fact, you yourself will be the one to keep you from living life to the full. A different spirit is what it takes. And so we go on to the story, and, you know, time goes on, and we'll see uh, Caleb again in Joshua 14. Starting verse 6. It says, Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 45 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which you, your feet have walked will be your inheritance that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the desert, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has, be has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since. 
because he followed the God, the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Caleb is an awesome guy. And Caleb was 40 years old when we first heard of him. And, you know, I turned 40 um, recently, some months ago. And, and don't, my wife is not 40, so don't ask her if she's 40. I, I'm not going to disclose that information. I don't want any stack of pillows tonight. <laughs> I wish Caleb, I wish I had that same fire that Caleb had. He had a heart for God and was a man of convictions. In verse 10, he said, he is now 85 years old and he's still on fire. And I hope I will be like that when I'm 85 years old. And when I think of um, 85 years old, uh, I think of seniors. And I don't think anyone here is 85. Um, But my wife and I own a, a facility for seniors and it's an assisted living. And our residents are in their 90s, so they're a little bit older than Caleb. But I don't see them getting up and picking up swords and going to battle. No, usually uh, they're sitting, relaxing, watching TV. And, and so it's very different from what I picture Caleb. In verse 11 to 12, um, here Caleb is 85 years old and as vigorous when he was 40. And, you know, think about it. Caleb was probably not as fast or as strong, but he still had a different spirit. He was still wholehearted. And for me, as I get older, you know, I notice it more now. My clothes seem to shrink. And, you know, I like to think I'm getting taller. But maybe your your clothes are shrinking too, right? It's the clothes that's... And, you know, what matters here is that we are, are we passionate for God? And like Caleb, are we living life to the full? Without God, we are living life of a fool. It's not living life to the full. And think about the time when you were doing your best spiritually. You were willing to serve. You were willing to go anywhere, do anything for God. And, you know, I think about it. And sometimes now the church has such a hard time finding people. Not to serve in the children's ministry. People willing to learn, to lead. And it's always the same people serving. We got to think about it. 85 years old, and I still want to lead a Bible talk. 85 years old, and I still want to be in the Bible studies. 85 years old, and I still want to reach out to people. 85 years old, and I still want to help people grow spiritually. We've got to rise up. And some of us are 20, 30, 40, like me. But we're like, I'm so tired. And we're dragging ourselves. Help me. Pick me up. Serve me. And what are you going to do when you're 85? We'll need to give you CPR just to get you to church. And, you know, being a Christian is fun and it's awesome. And you can live life to the full. But you need passion. And Caleb was in the front lines. 
he did not sit back and let all the others do the work. He was in the game. How about you? Are you always on the sidelines? Are you always watching others do the work? If you are, you are not living life to the full. You've got to be passionate and remain passionate. And so that was the first point. Let's go to the second point. <laughs> All right. Second point, live life full of content. In uh, Philippians 4, and here in um, verse 10, Paul is in prison, and this is what he writes. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And in the scripture, in Philippians, it's being content is a secret. It's not something everyone knows. It's an exclusive thing. And this secret is what God reveals to us in the Bible. God wants you and me to know that secret. And, you know, the fall of man was a result of Adam and Eve not being content, right? They wanted more than what God had given them. And they were ready in paradise, but they wanted more. They were not satisfied. And God had given them enough. And now being content does not mean being complacent. You know, it's not, you know, not doing anything. You know, it doesn't mean we sit around and do nothing. And, you know, I'm just going to stay right here. I'm going to relax. I'm content. Paul was not content in his situa- Paul was content in his situation in prison. But we all know he did great things for God. He says that we should be content whether we are needy or we have plenty. What do you mean? How can I be content when I have so much need? It says here, be content because God should be enough to strengthen us. Are you content today? Let's look in uh, Hebrews 13. And the whole book of Hebrews is full of um, encouragement. In verse uh, 1 to 2. It says, says, keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not entertain strangers, for by doing so, uh, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. And it says that love one another. And I, I just want to insert it because um, last night, the brothers in the singles ministry were loved. You know, the, the single sisters, you know, did such an awesome job. We felt like kings. We even had crowns. And, you know, they fed us. And when a brother gets fed, they're happy. You know, they brought us drinks, they gave us cards and gifts, and the sisters were just loving. 
That's what that scripture says. In uh, verse uh, 2, it says, entertain strangers. It doesn't matter who you entertain, but it just says strangers. And why? Because it could be an angel. We don't think about that often, do we? It could be your classmate in campus. It could be your coworker sitting next to you. It could be your neighbor. And you might think, uh, no, not that guy. He's obnoxious. He's rude. And you, know, you never know a stranger. What could, you know, it says a stranger. It could be nice. It could be rude. It could be beautiful. We don't know. But it could be somebody in church right now. And let's go down to uh, verse 5. It says, okay, start it. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? It says there, keep your life free from the love of money and be content. And why do we love money? Maybe because we are afraid. We are afraid of not having enough. And it's fear-driven. And as Christians, I don't think it's greed-driven. You know, when we got baptized and gotten our hearts corrected, we're not prioritizing getting the biggest house or fanciest cars anymore. But we're just afraid. That's how Satan holds us. And fear is his greatest weapon. In 1 Timothy 6, starting in 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing... We will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If we are godly, we can learn the secret of contentment, and that is all we need. God has given us direction on how to be content, but we have our own thinking of how to be content. Our plan of ha- for happiness and God's plan for our happiness goes in different directions. We are not happy because God provided a way for us to be happy, but we don't like it. He gives us a road to follow, but we don't want to go in that direction. And think about it. God has taken our sins away. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us a place in heaven. Are we content with that? We can say we are content when we are at church, but when we're at a church, we act otherwise. In verse 8, in 1 Timothy says, But if we have food... And clothing, we will be content with that. It says, if we have food, 
And this morning, if you haven't had food, stay after church, and you will have food. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And so, when, you know, it says, hey, we have clothing. It looks like everyone clo- has clothing here, right? Amen. And what does the Bible say we have with that? It says content. If you've been a Christian long enough, you can tell when someone is struggling with something. If people are consistently not showing up on Sunday and midweek, there is a uh, distraction in the heart. And the Bible says food and clothing. That's all we need to be content. God does not even mention houses, gadgets, cars. We can be content. And me personally, I know when I'm not content. When I'm on the internet looking for sales all the time, I'm probably the only one who does that, right? And I love gadgets and electronics, and when I see something I like, I dream about how much it will make my life easier. I dream about how the new phone will help me be organized with my life. A new computer will be faster to work on. A bigger car will help me fit more things. And on and on, I go on about the things we need in our life. And recently, we made a purchase of a a vacuum. And we've been looking for a vacuum for a long time. The the old one was, the wheels were falling off, and um, it wasn't picking up dirt. And my daughter, who's two and a half, likes to eat off the floor. And so when we finally saw one on sale, we, you know, we bought it. And, you know, but that, that, all that time I was, you know, we were uh, looking, you know, I was dreaming about how was, uh, I was going to clean every day. The house is going to be spotless. I was going to be Mr. Clean. And when I f- we finally got it, you know, I cleaned the first few days. I was like, excited. I got a new toy. And after the, the third day, you know, I went back on the internet. We got to look for accessories. <laughs> yeah, I need this attachment, dusting attachment, pet hair removal, and I didn't even have a pet. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, get, we get into all these things, and, you know, we, I mean, do we really need those things? I didn't even need them. Do we really need those bags or shoes? Oh, I think the women are going to stone me up here. (laughs) My wife will be the first to cast the first stone. But, you know, my wife is really good with her uh, spending, but she still loves shoes, bags and shoes. And and guys, you know, we love our gadgets, right? So, you know, that's for the guys. But um, verse 9, it says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many Foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. If only I win the lottery, all my problems will be solved. You know, we can believe that if we have all this money, that it will not harm us. And we pray for our lives to get better. And maybe you and I have not won the lottery because God is answering our prayers. Verse 7 says, For the love of of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith 
and pierced themselves with many griefs. Root of all kinds of evil. Some people from the church have wandered from the faith because of that. How many of us are not content with our salaries? Yeah, probably not most of us, right? You know, I was not content with my salary. But let's look in the Bible to see what it says about that. Luke 3, starting verse 13. And this is John the Baptist talking. It says, don't collect, there we go, don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Oops, don't say that. It says there, be content with your pay. Maybe that scratched off your Bible. It must be a typo. I must have the wrong version. You know, the New International Reader's Version states, be happy with your pay. But I only make the minimum. Be happy. But it's been a while since I got a raise. Be happy. Be content. And there's nothing wrong with going after raises and promotions. And you need to definitely be excellent at your workplace. But going after that should not supersede your devotion to God. If it's your moan, if it's your main motivation, then it is the root of all evil. Jesus wants to be Lord of all our lives. Jesus wants to be Lord of everyone. Going back to Hebrews 13, verse 5 says to close things off, if you are content, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? We are all in our current situation because that is exactly where God wants us to be. Let's look at what God is trying to teach us today. God will never leave us or forsake us. As long as we have passion and we can remain passionate, as long as we can be content with what we have, we can live life to the full. Amen.